This summer I had the unfortunate experience of taking my cat to the animal hospital on a regular basis for a special treatment. That animal hospital was a solid 45 minutes to an hour drive every day in a different town. And every day while waiting for my cat I would go to a Starbucks down the road. What I noticed about this Starbucks is that it was different. Not so much the store, but the people who work there. Usually corporate chains in the service industry are not very fun and pleasant to work for, so predictably, the social environment among people working there is not usually the most pleasant, and I certainly don't blame them. So it was a big surprise when everyone seemed at this store genuinely friendly, not just with me as a customer, but with each other behind the counter. They seemed like actual friends, not just co-workers who had to make peace while they're at work, like is so often the case. It almost seemed like the coffee shop was their own. That is the kind of vibe that I've seen in smaller local coffee shops, but not Starbucks, I don't think ever. I got to know Nikki a little bit at the register, and after several weeks of going there, I felt like asking him for an interview. I wanted to know more about the store, what it's like to work there, how it got that way, and eventually we turned to a discussion of whether it's sustainable, and what are the obstacles put in place by management and the corporation itself. What follows is some of our discussion on these topics. Also joining us is Ryan, who happened to be Nikki's co-worker as well as roommate and bandmate. You see why I found this all so interesting. What you walked into, that was honestly kind of like the peak right before things started going downhill. Uh, and it, it kind of sends me to say that because like at the point where like, you know, I, I met you when you walked in <laughs> with you bringing Quincy in weekly and uh, or sorry, every day during the week. Uh, that, that was just an awesome time. And, you know, everybody was getting scheduled, you know, a decent amount of hours. Everything was very democratic. Like, we have a group me with all of our, you know, shifts and all of our baristas and our store manager. And, you know, at one point, like, after quarantine, uh, we went down a couple of people because a couple of people left. And she was like, hey, guys, do would you rather get more hours or would you rather me hire more people on to work the hours that we're starting to get given because at one point we had you know the 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 labor cut and it was very difficult to work with and we all said that we'd rather work uh more hours because overall like the vibe and the chemistry of the store like we all just got along with each other and it was amazing when we did and now we're starting to hire more people on and it's kind of kind of difficult because like you know as cool as these people are it it just takes so much time to actually bring them into the fold but it wasn't until really this store that we started focusing on the customer like you know we have this thing called the customer connection score at work where basically when you pay with an app uh with the starbucks app uh every week a hundred people will randomly get selected, uh, you know, by the actual program, and they'd get this little uh, uh, questionnaire in their app. I don't know if you've ever gotten it or not, uh, but they'll ask stuff like, "How is the quality of your beverage? How is you know the baristas? You know, uh, not aesthetic, but uh, what's got like what, what the baristas' demeanor and yeah. stuff like that." Like, yeah, I think there's seven questions on there. Where it's like, "How did the food taste? How clean was the store?" How did your drink taste? How was the speed of service? And then, like, did the barista make an effort to get to know me? 
And it's and that two. last one that is the most important because honestly, like those other questions are kind of like you know for for Starbucks own benefit, but for the store, uh, for every store that like did the barista get to or try to get to know you question that is the most important. And you know, at first, uh, when we first started doing that at my old store, I was like, ah, we don't really need to get to know them. They always come in here anyway. We you know gotta give them the coffee and get them going because realistically nobody wants to stay around here for 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> Nikki went 19 uh 1820s prospect right there <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so that customer connection is uh, really important and at first i honestly didn't see it and i felt like i was kind of forced into it but once you like kind of realize that like nobody's forcing you into it you just if you think about it, like, you get to see a lot of these people on a regular basis. Like, when you brought in Quincy, like, you know, every, every weekend or every weekday, right? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I got to get, or I got to know you pretty much every day that you were there. Like, I, we'd talk about something new, like, you know, about the different questions that we had on the tip jars. Because, you know, a lot of them were hard to, you know, decide between. Uh and because uh, honestly like I the reason why I was so friendly was because I fi- I got myself in that mindset oh like when I first started working at this store that I wanted to love where I work and for a while there that's exactly what was happening like we had plenty of toxic people in our store too but you know Obviously, they freaking finally weeded themselves out. Some got separated. Some got transferred over to other stores. So. <laughs> but, you know, all in all, it was, you know, we finally got the team where we all just appreciated the hell out of each other and respected each other and just basically got to be on that same level where we weren't just coming in to work to get the pay where we were coming in to actually enjoy what we were doing and get to know all the people that came in on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, whatever. We know so many of our regulars' names and drinks and whatnot. Like, it's honestly a pretty awesome place to work, where it was at least. But yeah, I think Nikki hit a good point there. Real quick, just talking about, you know, kind of like what changed. And I think one of the things that we noticed kind of when it all changed was we all did the stuff naturally without really having to be asked to because that's just the personalities that we had as far as you know getting to know people and talking to them and and whatnot but as soon as we kind of came back from from the lockdown corporate really started like getting in our cases about just trying to squeeze everything they could out of us as fast as possible instead of letting us take our jobs and do it naturally and i think that put a lot of unnecessary pressure on all of us to where now we all i feel like we have a harder time talking to people almost because it's kind of like just constantly on our case about how we can always give, you know, one more percent every day while they're, you know, cutting our hours, like just constantly asking for more stuff without giving us anything in return. And, you know, we're honestly kind of getting worse treatment now than we were before. So it's like, I think that's created a lot of the same, but up until then we were kind of left to our own to just shine and let our natural personality show through. And I think it worked out a lot better and that is, you know, what you saw and how I think a lot of people perceived us was we were just, more personable and it wasn't like a job because we didn't feel like we weren't acting like that was just who we were and what we did and then now it almost feels like they're wanting us to act even though these are kind of the personalities that would come across naturally if that makes any sense 
Like, it feels forced now. And it's funny, because, like, so many people still come through our drive-thru <laughs> or our cafe, and they're like, oh, my God, you guys are literally the best store that I've ever gone to. You know, you guys are all so friendly. The moment I even drive into the drive-thru, you know, Cindy already has, you know, my drink typed in, and... You know, she's all ready and she's always so excited and then you guys get excited and you guys mess with us and, you know, it seems a lot more personable and that's what's making me want to come back more often. And I'm like, you know, we, we understood where corporate was going with that when they first, like, kind of introduced this, uh, you know, initiative uh, to try to get all of us to be like that. But it's funny because, like, you know, Ren and I, on our days off, we still go to other stores to just kind of, well, not only get our markouts and, you know, our free drinks and whatnot, but to also kind of see how other stores behave because you'll go through a drive-thru and they're like, they'd slide the window open and they'd be like, all right, that's going to be 527. All right, here's your drink. And shut the window on you and just let you drive off. It's like, that. that's like the one thing that we try to stay away from. Even when we're like busy as all hell and I have to, you know, do two jobs at the same time on, you know, drive through register and drive through order. Like, we still try to get to know everybody, like, even if it's, like, a simple, like, how do you do? Or, you know, what are your weekend plans? And, uh, like, that is still kind of, like, the one aspect of the job that I'm still clinging on to uh, myself, personally. Because, like, you know, even though we're, we were going through a rough patch there for a little while after this whole COVID thing happened and everything that's going on now is just not making it easier, but like, you know, there's still some aspects of this job that I absolutely love. You know, we only met a few months ago, really. And you said that was about the time where it was at the peak where the, you know, the environment was great. Things, things were running well. Um, I'm curious, you know, you're implying that things have gone downhill since then, but if you want to talk a little more specifically about what happened since then and then i'd also like to um move to something else for the longest time for those six months even you know the one month of <laughs> lockdown like we all just absolutely enjoyed uh and loved walking into the store and it's like hey i get to work with brie today hey i get to work with ben or ryan or you know etc and you know there was really no bad blood between anybody and uh, of course, corporate had to freaking, you know, make do, and they're like, oh, all right, uh, we, we kind of uh, exhausted our good uh, good Samaritanism, or whatever you want to call it, but basically, yeah. like, we showed the public how much we appreciate you, and we love you, and we, you know, we put, you are the heartbeat of this company, which, that's, I mean, we really are, and... It'd be funny because, like, if any, if all of us just walked out, the company would be dead. And well, two of the biggest things really recently that have started to make everything go downhill is one, just I mean, starting to cut hours. I mean, when we reopened after the shutdown, we were so slow that we were getting paid to play Uno on the clock, and it was it was great. We were all. I guess technically professional Uno players. <laughs> Pretty much working like freaking almost forty hours a week. It was great. Yeah, and we—I mean, we were all getting paid enough to make sure that um, you know we were taken care of during COVID. And like, I mean, and Starbucks did a really great job supporting us through the lockdown. And then after that, I mean, when we were locked down, um, you know, because of because we had to be, they were basically paying us our average hours from February. So we were still getting a paycheck, even though we couldn't go into the store. So they were making sure that. 
you know, nobody lost their homes, nobody could couldn't afford to eat or anything like that. And we were all really appreciative. And then we come back, um, and they started implementing like a catastrophe pay, where it was basically an extra three dollars an hour that you worked. Um, and then whatever, like since your hours were slightly reduced when you came back after the lockdown, so you got the three dollars an hour for the hours that you were physically in the store, and then they would basically pay you the difference between the hours you worked versus your average hours in February. So they were still taking care of us. I was like, okay, this is really good. Like, I feel supported by this company. Um, and then slowly they, they did away with that, which, w- which was understandable. You know, it's definitely not feasible for them to continue forever. Um, and then probably about, I don't know, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, uh, they started cutting all of like our labor. Like we were having a few, you know, one fewer person on the floor, which was making it hard, especially in the mornings because you know, we're in a pandemic, so we have higher, you know, cleaning standard or higher cleaning expectations and just new tasks that are being implemented that we have to go through, you know, sanitizing the entire lobby every 30 minutes. We have to wash our hands every 30 minutes. And it's, you know, stuff that kind of throws a wrench in the plans of just the way the day usually operates. And so they start cutting our labor that way. And then we slowly start to earn our hours back because we're getting busier now than we were before COVID happened. Um, I mean, we're easily selling a thousand dollars a day in product more than we were before this whole lockdown happened yet our hours are going up, but all of our personal hours are getting cut. Um, no, they're getting butchered. Yeah, they're like, not getting cut. Well, they're yeah. getting fucking slashed and sliced. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause Nikki and I were both, we were, you know, full time before this whole thing happened up really up until about two months ago, we were full time consistently getting anywhere from 35 to 38 hours and then sometimes picking up shifts at other stores or for other braces and whatnot. Um, and then for the last month we've been averaging about 27, 28 and to the point where we had a conversation with our boss, like, Hey, this isn't, you know, like we can't continue to afford to pay, you know, our bills and all this kind of stuff for less than 30 hours a week. Like that's just not making enough sense for us. And we were basically told, um, Contrary to the way we were hired, that our position is only part time as shift supervisors, um, and you know Nikki had left his second job at Mod Pizza to come to Starbucks full time. Um, so because know, I was promised yeah. that I would be getting a minimum of thirty five hours a week, because I sat down with Ava, and this was even before I was promoted to shift supervisor. I sat down with Ava in the back, and I just, you know, that was the awesome part uh, about Starbucks at that point, was the fact that, like, you know, all of us were so close with our boss, like, you know, she said that she's going to be coming out to, like, our concerts when we start playing uh, shows again, and everything, Uh, and it was awesome because we can work out whatever gripes we had with her, no matter what, would you and which is exactly what I did. I remember like sitting down with her in the back one day when I had to basically like open at Starbucks and then close at Mod. Basically working days where like I'd work 4:30 to like 2 p.m. at Starbucks. Then I get to you know get in my car in the parking lot, uh, go park up at Mod and nap for a half an hour, and then go into Mod and work from like three until I got out at like 11 11:30 p.m. Then repeat the whole cycle again. And I'm like, dude, I really can't do this. I, pre- you know, I love the money, and everything, but it is just killing me, and I hate it. I really want to be, you know, full time at Starbucks and dedicate like as much as I can. I want to be promoted, and I, you know, I kind of want to be happy outside of the, the store, you know. I don't want to be exhausted all the time. And she understood that. And she's like, you know, obviously I can't, you know, give you the 50 hours that you know you're working at the two jobs. But I can give you, like, 
35. I'm like, all right, awesome. I did the calculations. It worked out. I can still pay rent. I can still, you know, pay my other bills. I can still afford the occasional guitar because I'm an addict. And, uh, you know. He's in recovery. No, I'm not in recovery. God (laughs) knows. I I, I still want another one. I'm itching for it. (laughs) But, you know, she understood that. And she pretty much promised me that she'll give me at least 35 hours a week. And that's exactly what happened up until COVID and then we obviously had to shut down because we were given the option to either come in at work, come in and work uh, for like $3 an hour extra, which honestly right now sounds awesome. I, you know, it would have been awesome to take that pay. Uh, or, you know, you get to take like two weeks off and you'll get paid for those two weeks. You get your average pay from February and you know just self-isolate if you feel that you're putting yourself in danger or you're uh, putting your family members in danger etc and how often does a company pretty much lay a two-week paid vacation in front of an hourly employee where they say we'll pay you for those two weeks that you stay at home and self-isolate obviously it's no trip to the beach but you know it's a vacation that we got paid for, which eventually got extended to four weeks, which eventually got extended to six weeks. You know, we were going to start crazy, you know, by the time it ended, but it was pretty, pretty awesome. And then uh, for a while after there, up until the hour, hour started getting cut, and like, it was all freaking nice and dandy. And kind of wish it was still like that. And you know what's weird is that we started getting our hours cut and we were starting to have like one less person on the floor during the busiest times once we opened the cafe. So people were coming into the cafe and one person had to, you know, bounce between warming up food and taking orders. What you doing over here? But between like warming up food and bouncing uh, over to the cash register to check these people out. And, you know, contrary to, you know, the popular belief that, hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic, we should probably not go into the store because, God knows, we should not get us anywhere, you know, closer to more people. But no, we had, like, lines of people freaking walking in the moment that we actually had our cafe open. And so that made it difficult, but they were only still steadily giving us, like, three hours a week back, which is redonkulous and... Yeah, we were growing faster than we were earning our labor back. And it was just kind of a constant uphill battle to the point where I think we did it for so long. People got kind of burnt out trying to, you know, trying to make up for that slack. And I think at at this point, just because it happened for so long, I think we're all kind of burnt out that it would take a little bit more for them to earn like our, uh, you know, just to kind of rebuild us to recharge those batteries because we've been so exhausted for so long trying to pick up for that, that missing labor. And it, it's a difficult situation because, you know, like Nikki said earlier, it's a business and you understand you got to be profitable. And I think the hard part is, um, you know, there's something at Starbucks that they like to tell us and it's in, you know, the, the beginning of our employee handbook. And, you know, they're constantly reminding us that the baristas are the heart and soul and the most important part of this company. And, you know, that's 100% accurate because, you know, while you definitely need people to direct the ship, if we all walked out, you know, the district managers and RVPs and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they couldn't do the job, not just because they don't have the experience making the drinks, but just they don't have that same personality of 
being able to talk to anybody and everybody. And it's not that... Hell, they don't even have the experience of making the fucking drinks or shit. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, a lot of them just, they are outside hires. They skip the process. They don't know what it's like to be at the bottom. And so, they, you know, we really can't be replaced. But at the same time, when all this is happening, it's like... Um, I don't know. It's like, I feel like they're doing a really great job of making us feel, you know, expendable. And there's a really great section from Howard Schultz's first autobiography called, I think it was Pour Your Heart Into It or something like that, which, um, is, I mean, it's a great thing showing how Starbucks started and how, not only just how, how our founder thought about the company and his process of building, but also just kind of what his goals for it were. And there was a period in, I think it was the early 90s where Starbucks baristas were trying to unionize. And he basically his comment was, I don't want to run a company where my employees feel like they need a union. I want them to feel like the company takes care of them enough without having to bring in an outside force to speak on their behalf. And while I think that was definitely realistic under Howard's leadership, once we got a new CEO, um, I think back in 2016, he's been from an IBM background and runs it much more like a company instead of a family, which is kind of how it started. And I think it's a really similar similar. Um, transition kind of like Walmart after Sam Walton died, where it's just the kind of the the morals and the focus shifted from the company or from the customers and the and the employees to just about the dollar sign. So we're feeling really unsupported there, and it's just been kind of I don't know. I guess feeling unsupported by just a lot of a lot of different people in the chain, and, and it's not helping that somehow our boss. <laughs> Who we all absolutely love, like, to, at, at a point, Ryan and I were even saying that, like, hey, Ava's literally the best boss we've ever had, and we've had a lot of bosses, like, trust me, like, the, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, worked at the pool uh, when I was a lifeguard, and, you know, my boss was alright, but he was still a dickhead at times, but, like, Ava was the one boss that I really never had any gripes with. And up until this point, like, I have no idea. Do you know what that turning point is, like, where she kind of turned and started, you know, being a corporate bootlicker? Oh, so that's what happened. I was wondering if that, I was wondering if, um, if that's been a change with your, you know, manager that you liked directly above you. And also if, um, if she was the one who cut the hours and if so, why would that happen? So as I understand, it's our district managers that dole them out to each store. And there is power for district managers to assign kind of like extra hours, like emergency hours to stores that need them. And I think part of it is right before quarantine happened, maybe two, three weeks before we locked down, we got a new district manager as an outside hire for Michael Gore. So completely different background. And I mean, he, he was nice at first. You know, I thought this was going to be a great fit. He seemed to be really like the same personality and kind of bubbliness that would fit in at Starbucks. But I don't think having skipped kind of like those lower rungs, um, I think he kind of missed out on some of the necessities and kind of what it's like to be in a store on the day-to-day basis and not having that understanding before COVID or not being able to understand that before thing, you know, kind of things hit the fan. It's harder for him to understand how hard it is for us currently. Um, and I think part of the hard part is, well, yes, I mean, it is somebody above her that, is in charge of some of those hours and a lot of the changes that have been happening, it's felt like we aren't being supported. And it's hard because we don't have any face-to-face contact or, I mean, really any contact aside from the odd visit from higher-ups to talk to them and voice our complaints, our frustrations. Um, I mean, Starbucks usually does these things. They call them open forums in all the different, um, I think it's different regions of 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 the country. And they'll have 
every higher up come in and it'll be like at a hotel um, like speaking space and that way you can voice any questions or concerns you have with the higher ups and at the very least kind of bring an issue that you're having to their attention they may not be aware of and that's something that we just they just stop doing so we don't get a chance to voice our concerns so we're kind of relying on people that we're, you know we're relying on Ava and other store managers to speak on our behalf and kind of tell higher ups what our complaints and what where we feel like we need more support in the same way that you know her boss is responsible for doing the same thing and i think both people have been avoiding having those difficult conversations and really standing up for the people below them and that's kind of put a target on Nikki and I's back because we haven't been quiet through this whole thing to the point where we've gotten in almost fights with management because we're the ones saying things that are you know everybody's feeling but no one else is really saying them because they're too afraid to lose their jobs or whatnot um, so Nikki and I became kind of the, the poster boys for feeling, you know, used, abused, and underappreciated. And it's kind of put us in a tricky situation, but I feel like as a as a leader, and, and not as a boss, but as a leader, you have kind of a, a duty to stand up for the people below you. And if you think something isn't right, or if you think somebody could be doing a better job, I think you have a responsibility to voice that. And if you sit back on it and just kind of ignore it and tell them that they need to get over it instead of trying to actually help them with the problem then I think that's where you become complacent in in what's going on so just the failure to to kind of stand up to those above her and voice the frustrations that we had has made us lose faith in her why do you think she's not doing that I think it's fully understandable you know she's in the same position where she doesn't want to stir the pot and risk her own job which is fully understandable you know, it's fully understandable why she wouldn't want to stir the pot or cause unnecessary tension. Um, and I think there's definitely, you know, right and wrong way to do it. And that's something that Starbucks tries to get all of us to do is to be comfortable having difficult conversations in the moment, whether it's with each other or with a customer that's trying to um, to game the system or, or something like that. But it's something that has to be done. And I think that's something that just isn't happening right now. I don't know if that's fear. I don't know if that's... I don't know exactly what's going on there, but it's... Uh, it's definitely starting to interfere with everybody's kind of love of the job and to the point where there's multiple people that at our store at least have you know mentioned feeling the same way just feeling underappreciated by the company and to where they're kind of at their wits end because they don't know what else to do they're just feeling unsupported unloved and like they can't make any progress right now i would suggest that it's um not a personal issue so much like it's not a problem with ava um, as much as it is a systemic like problem, like like you were saying, if she stirs the pot too much, she'll lose her job, and you know, kind of same down the line. So that's yeah. my thought on that. It's a it's a hard situation. I don't envy you know anybody in that situation. I think the, I think the hard part is losing faith with with corporate and having the people above you not being willing to admit that there's flaws and i think that runs all the way up the ladder and i think if i genuinely think that if everybody came together and started questioning it all at the same time then they would have no choice but to kind of rethink what's going on we are asking for a lot there but yeah i mean that's what starbucks says they kind of build themselves off of and i think it's kind of hard to working for a company that tries to promote themselves as putting you know the partners and that's one thing they call us partners we're not employees i mean they want to make us a part of the business and a part of that decision-making process. And it's hard when you promote that, 
you know, we all have skin in the game that you care about us. And then you kind of turn around and disregard all of that. And it's, you know, I feel like it's one thing if you say, hey, we're a corporation, that's all we care about, you know, the honesty. But when it's constantly being told, hey, you guys are the heartbeat of this, but we're not really going to treat you like that. That's where uh, I think some of the discontent comes from. Definitely. So I have two more questions. And uh, so, Nikki, one time we were talking about how corporate and sort of policies at the store were making it hard for you to do your job in a good way. Like it was making it inefficient. Um, so if you want to talk real fast about that. Oh, yeah. I remember us having that conversation. We, we were like sitting right next to the bar and I was like pointing out just how stupid it was because at one point, you know, after our regional director and our district manager uh, came to visit, they devised this magnanimous uh, new, you know, routing system for our stickers, and uh, you know, for how we make drinks where all the, you know, all the hot drinks came out of the drive-through bar, or you know, out of the main bar, and all the cold drinks would go to the other bar. But it honestly did not work because there was like the the first day, like even before we actually started doing that, like I was I was speaking my mind from the get-go. I went into the group chat as soon as Ava started talking about it, and I was like, no, it's not going to work. I understand there's a difference between, like, you know, trying it to see if it works, but it's like, no, think about it logically. All these drinks are going to start pouring in. Like, obviously, if we're going to have two people on bar, maybe it'll work a little bit. But the thing is, when we have all the stickers for drive-thru coming out of the designated drive-thru bar, we can make all those drinks in order of the next car that's coming so that way we can just you know kind of like turn around hand it off the person that's taking the order who's usually like you know supposed to put the drinks in order like their job is to literally take the drink scoot it over put a sleeve on it if anything put a stopper in it you know scoot it over and the person at the register can give out the correct drink but guess what when they're all going to be scattered and like you know one hot drinks here one cold drinks here and then we get those multiple drink orders and like everything starts getting jumbled the person who's taking orders at the time at the same time as trying to put all those other drinks in the correct order is just starting to overheat and like all of a sudden he's putting in the wrong order while he's taking the order and you know it is just it was a jumble of a system because like you know the only time we really have two people on one bar is when, you know, or sorry, when we have two people uh, to the bars, you know, one does the drive through one does the cafe, or in this situation, one was doing the hot drinks, one was doing the cold drinks, is from 7 in the morning till 9 in the morning, which is technically peak hours, even though peak pretty much starts at 6 in the morning and ends at about, like, 10.30. Uh, like... What happens when, you know, we lose one person? Well, guess what? When it was just, like, the drive through versus, uh, you know, cafe orders, like, when you have one person on that bar, it's a lot easier to just, like, all right, cool, let's grab two drive through orders real quick, then I'll do this cafe order, because it's a small order and there's only one person in the cafe. We can do it. It's it's quick, everything's organized, doesn't matter if it's cold bar or hard bar, hot bar, you, you know, we'll put it all out, will still be efficient, which is the case. But, like, when it was the hot drink versus cold drink, it was ridiculous because we'd have, like, you know, mobile orders uh, popping in as well. And, like, you'd get 
a random mobile order pop into your uh, drive-through uh, stickers or you know your hot bar stickers and then all of a sudden the other part of the is in the cold stickers and you're like hell I'm not even having trouble like really explaining the system and how stupid it was but as soon as it like you know Keelan our district manager proposed it it you know Ava didn't really do anything about it she's like guys we need to try this uh you know even if it's a stupid system we got to give it a shot i'll be damned and very sad if we don't at least try it it's like ava we're giving you our feedback right off the bat it's not gonna work it's gonna mess us up and guess what for those like two three weeks that we had that stupid printer arrangement it was hell nobody was happy everybody was just freaking angry about it and guess what Rand and i were the only poster you know again poster boys for speaking up on behalf of others because guess what as shift supervisors we're literally there to speak to the manager of the store because a lot of the other baristas honestly don't want to speak up because they're gonna get that same response of like hey we gotta at least try the blah blah blah, blah. and we're <laughs> we were just giving you know we were fighting the good fight and we were given almost retaliation is what it seems like because we kept on getting in trouble it's like hey guys you can't keep speaking trash about this if i'm supporting this and you guys are just speaking against it uh it just makes me look bad and i'm like well if it's making you look bad it's because you're the only person pushing for this and you're not really even on the floor all the freaking time and like keelan and george are higher ups who sit at a fucking desk to you know, <laughs> to make their living, and who the hell are they to say what we should be doing on bar, because they, they've never really even been in our situation, like, yes, they come in, they observe, they look at the numbers of, like, you know, we don't get that many cafe orders, we don't get that many drive through orders, oh, let's split them into two bars, it'll make it a lot more efficient, no, the fuck it won't, because guess what, when it's on two different printers, it's a lot more organized and a lot easier for us to actually pop them out in the correct order. And, you know, like, Ryan and I just were not stepping down. It's like, and we're going to fight back on every case because guess what? After that, like, you know, uh, I think like third weekend after we started doing that new printer routing system, we actually had our development conversations or, you know, like basically uh, for a lot of people, it was just basically like, oh, how's everything going? How do you feel you're doing? What can you improve on? It's like literally almost everybody freaking used that opportunity to just complain and get their you know hearts out there to Ava and say hey this isn't working this is making our job so much worse and then guess what after literally the whole store complaining that's when Ava literally sent Keelan a message saying hey we're not doing this anymore and it's like really it only took you like 28 people to realize that we shouldn't be doing this because it doesn't work and can you not see that it doesn't work are you serious Wow, you are blinder than I am. And guess what? I'm colorblind and I've got astigmatism in one eye. Like, fuck me, right? In a lot of locations, in a lot of different jobs, you wouldn't have that many people, you know, all saying the same thing and coming together to uh, send that message to, you know, your your manager directly above. So you had that and you had someone who was, you know, friendly to you and more seemed more open-minded and cooler. So you had like both of those advantages and that's what it took for things to change. It, did it change? 
I mean, yeah, thankfully we stopped doing that stupid system. And, you know, for a week there, we were nice and happy. Until we started looking at our schedules. And we went from fucking working like a minimum of 32 hours a week to somehow getting cut down to 25 or, you know, like even 20 in one week. It was ridiculous. Why'd that happen? It just kind of happened out of nowhere. Yeah, or it just kind of happened out of nowhere because, like, uh, oh, no, it didn't happen out of nowhere. R- can- Ryan's got something to say about this. Ooh, yeah, do I'm tell him about your ASM track and. Oh, well, I'm sure I can get into the ASM a little bit later. That's a slightly different conversation, but it kind of shows the. Uh, the lack of understanding and the lack of, well, um, I don't know, just planning on, on upper management's part. But one of the things that happened recently was, you know, Nikki was saying earlier in the podcast that we hadn't hired anybody new in about six months. Um, and Ava had put out a, a poll in our group, me basically asking, you know, do you guys want more hours? Or do you want me to hire more people? And everybody... Literally um, unanimous. Yeah, unanimous. Everybody wanted more hours because they're trying to dig themselves out of this financial hole that this whole quarantine has put us in. And lo and behold, we start hiring more people. And it was kind of like, okay, well, why did you bother asking us, asking us if this is going to happen anyway? And so Nikki and I had a conversation with it, and we were basically told that you know, as managers, our positions are only part time. You know, we're not intended to be full time. Nobody except for store managers is. Um, and you know, we, we happen to look at the scheduling for the new hire and, the, you know, this new hire, no shame at her. I mean, she's, you know, really sweet girl is still trying to figure out how the job works. And, you know, now is definitely not the, the easiest time to get used to this. But, she, you know, she was scheduled for four or five more hours than than we were. And it's kind of a slap in the face when you're kind of told that, hey, you know, you guys are only supposed to be part time. We can't guarantee you any hours. And you have plenty of people that are new that are getting more hours than you. So it's kind of like a slap in the face. Like, okay, what happened to, uh, you know, that feeling of appreciation here? And I think that, you know, kind of what we were saying earlier, like what would it take to really change this? And I think a lot of it is having those people above you that aren't afraid to have those difficult conversations. And like the sticker router showed that, you know, that was something we had to give a shot, but having everybody stand up and be like, this isn't working. Like we need to go back. And then having our boss take our side and tell that to hire up where it's like, Hey, this isn't working. We can do it better you know, let us do it. I think just having that, you know, not being afraid to have that difficult conversation made it better for us. And I think that's what we need now is for her to have that same kind of conversation be like, this is, you know, this isn't working either. You know, we got to, we got to figure this out and we have to stand by what Starbucks says they value and what, um, you know, this company stands for, but no one's having that conversation. That's why we're kind of stuck in this, this situation. But I think that right that situation right there just kind of showed the power of just questioning it, you know, and, and not being afraid to say what's on your mind and that there is a better way. It's funny that you, you know, bring up this whole, like, you know, newbie thing again. We have quite a few people on our staff who were working a second job or, like, you know, their main job before this whole quarantine happened and they took on the starbucks job as their second job to kind of like almost you know also like just get a little extra money in because you know times were tough even before this whole freaking thing went down uh like nick like carson and whatnot who have school outside or like kelly and nick who you know they had other main jobs that they were furloughed or you know basically fired from so they were on unemployment and they literally told ava hey can you please make sure to give me like a maximum of like 20 hours i need less hours like carson needs to go to school and you know he's not actually going to school he's doing stuff online but he's like really focusing on his studies 
but yet he's still getting like 30, 32, 34 hours a week. And, you know, luckily he's been letting me pretty much snag those shifts for him because he's like, dude, please just take these shifts. I need to focus. I got a test coming up, I, you know, etc. Uh, but like, dude, you have people who literally tell you, please don't schedule me over. Otherwise, I'm not going to get the unemployment check. And guess what? I've got rent to pay and I've got two kids to take care of. And I've got a sick dog that I got to take care of or I got, you know, schooling to take care of. But no, it's a, like us shift supervisors. Truth be told, like, you know, we sat down with Ava and we talked about the whole situation. And she gave us the whole spiel about how, like, oh, shift supervisors aren't supposed to be working full time because they're easily burnt out, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, dude, like, I was a barista for like a year before I, or a year and a half, two years before I became a shift supervisor. And truth be told, I was getting more burnt out as a barista because nobody could hear me on how we could possibly improve until I became a shift. And guess what? I earned the respect of all the colleagues that I usually work with on a daily basis. You know, we have our morning crew, we have our evening crew. And the morning crew, like I have my regulars, uh, like Kelly, like Nick, like Carson, etc., who understand exactly where I'm coming from on everything I say. We pretty much always get what needs to be done done like i usually make a list of everything that i want to accomplish in the shift which is why i love uh, doing opening shifts because from the very start i can control how and what gets done and like i understand that you know our other shift supervisor ben who is mainly a closing shift needed to have opening shift experience even though he's been with the company for seven years and the entire first four years of his shift career or whatever were spent in the mornings uh, Ava pretty much assigned him as the third morning shift. And it's like, dude, why? Ryan and I can literally run this ship and, like, kind of juggle between ourselves and actually keep it running because guess what? Like, our partners actually love working with us. And nobody, like, nobody's really said anything bad against us. Everybody defends us. There have been a couple incidents where, like, you know, a, a stupid joke was said and all of a sudden Ava was talking to us about how we shouldn't say stuff like that on the floor and it's like hey I know for a fact that that wasn't our regular morning person it wasn't any of our regular morning crew that complained about it sorry we got a cat meowing over here oh, she's... Kitty. <laughs> yeah like I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, diet them because Margo's been getting fat uh, but anyhow like you know we have our regular people like when we had one less person on the floor and when we had to make do with those original hour cuts uh we were making do because we were all in the same level and basically shit was getting done and then once ben gets thrown on to uh mornings all of a sudden ryan and i are getting our hours cut all of a sudden deliveries have either too much of the product that we don't need or don't have enough of the product that we don't need or sorry that we do need uh and it's like i understand he needs experience but you can't just take these hours away from us and then complain about how we don't have enough people to cover closing because you just took away one of the freaking closers. Ryan and I don't want to close. Ryan and I do most of the stuff in the store that actually helps the freaking store. We get the most accurate daily orders and we rarely run out of stuff when it's us doing the job. Like Ryan's in charge of the main weekly orders and the uh, food management and whatnot and making sure that we have enough of everything. And then all of a sudden you're throwing another fucking wrench in our plans. And then when we're asking for more hours, you're telling us that you, the problem is that 
you know, you have three morning shifts. Well, guess what? The one morning shift that, you know, needs hours but has an open availability and who's been a closer since we started the store, you all of a sudden bring the freaking mornings. Like, we need to pay freaking rent. We have a band to take care of. We have, you know, fur children that we need to take care of. We have more guitars that we need to buy because we're fiends. Uh, shameless plug for Astro Ever After, by the way. Uh, but, like, come on. Why are you doing this to us? Like, we've literally talked to the other two shifts that work evenings. And, you know, like, Eddie's getting, like, 37 hours a week. Bree's getting, like, 32 hours a week. Like, I understand that Bree bought a new house, but her uh, husband or fiancé or whatever, you know, makes enough money for them to pay off mortgage. And it's not really that important for her to get that many hours. And she even said so herself. And Eddie still lives with his parents and he literally looked over to uh, Bree and he, or Carson, or, no, sorry, not Carson, either Bree or Ben, and was like, hey guys, if you, you know, want more of my shifts, feel free, because I understand you need the money, I don't need the money, I'm just basically sitting here and collecting cash so I can make my investments and whatnot. The, guy, the kid's really smart and everything, but, like, why are you putting him in the morning when, one, you have two people that need more hours that can handle it because we don't get burnt out as shifts. We are so tight with our morning crew that every freaking morning, pretty much like un until we get the occasional Karen, you know, complaining to us about, you know, her upside down Carl Macchiato that wasn't made properly, like whatever. Like that, that's the most that's on our plates. But you're going to give all our hours to a, a shift that just needs a little more experience in the mornings. Like, I understand he needs experience. Send him to another fucking store that needs an actual opener. Like, it's it's, it's just a struggle. Because, like, right now, like, at least Ryan and I are for sure are hella unhappy with the store. And, you know, most other people don't really care. Because all the baristas are either going to school or going, you know, are on unemployment, etc. For them, it's not that, you know, important to be making a bunch of money right now, like... We're pretty much the only ones who have rent to pay and are trying to, you know, break out into the music scene, even though right now we can't play any shows. Ryan, you had one thing to say earlier about um, you had some beef about something. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, so when, when I came to this store um, shortly after I started pursuing just moving up in the company, this is something that I was working on my previous store, but um, had some some running with one of the, the managers that I, I worked for and there was some retaliation there. So I left the company for about two months until I came up to this store um, and started pursuing moving up to assistant store manager, which is just the basically the training ground for getting your own store. Um, and, you know, everything was going great. It was moving exactly as it was supposed to. Um, and then basically the whole process, the last step of the process is you have to have an observation from two different district managers. One of you know, one has to be your district manager and one has to be from a, uh, a neighboring district. That went through, well, barely and sort of. The other district manager showed up. I mean, you know, she wasn't engaged in the whole process. And then we had a, um, a follow-up meeting scheduled just over Zoom about two weeks later between myself, my store manager, my district manager, and then her just to kind of talk about how everything went. And uh, she never showed up. You know, we got on the thing, on the call and waited. She never showed up. There was no communication. Um, come to find out that later is because of uh, our area manager, basically her boss, 
that have required or requested like a, a conversation with her and which is all fine and dandy obviously stuff happens for sure now there's a lot on everyone's plate um but it's it's all going down to communication and that whole process made and luckily i'm not the only one going through that um ben and brie are both now on that same track that you know they're working towards asm so they're going through a lot of the same stuff that i did i was just further along in it and seeing how something as simple as just a text like hey can we reschedule because something came up um it's that communication and that appreciation and i I think that kind of showed the failure to show up or any kind of communication kind of showed that their time is more important than ours and that you know whatever is going on in their lives is more important than everything that we as baristas are experiencing and that was kind of the breaking point for me shortly after that i basically just told them i don't want anything to do with this i you know my my time my creativity my minds are better spent elsewhere with a company or you know on a, a project that can see my value because it's not being respected here and I think that kind of showed the turning point just kind of in how Starbucks was behaving in the sense that they weren't appreciating us for what we brought to the table. Like we'd covered earlier, just, you know, our personalities of being able to talk to any customer. We weren't necessarily being treated like the most valuable part of the company. We were just kind of, we were there as livestock for them to just ride into the ground until they got what they wanted instead of caring for us and... Um, and doing their job to protect us from, you know, people that refuse to wear masks or people that weren't taking this seriously um, to the to the point where I guess the district right next to ours, the uh, the breezes are no longer allowed to tell customers they have to wear a mask in the store. They just have to rely on the signs posted. And if somebody doesn't come in with it on, they're not allowed to mention it to them or ask them to put the mask on. And so it's just kind of all boiling down to not feeling supported by corporate and really just being treated like we're kind of expendable. And especially now with this hiring craze where they're trying to hire a bunch of people instead of giving us hours, it's again showing that, you know, we don't care if you guys can still support yourselves, you know, good luck, go out and find a second job, which you know, I'm sure if anybody's had to apply during these times, it isn't the easiest process. Um, because one, a lot of businesses aren't hiring and the ones that are it's a tricky process trying to navigate two jobs because you have two potential places where you might encounter somebody with COVID and then you have to isolate from both of them. Um, and you're not sure if that job's gonna be there when you come back. And it's just, you know, a lot of unknowns on the table right now. And we feel like we're almost kind of being thrown into more uncertainty just because of because um, of a lack of effort on a higher ups part, I guess. Yeah, it kind of really does feel like that because <laughs> why in the hell are you opening cafes like literally, it, when we like even before we started this lockdown, like we could have freaking flattened the curve, you know, in the two weeks. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, by the way, happy six month anniversary to the whole like you know it takes two weeks to flatten the curve uh, situation. But like, why? Why are they putting us in in danger of this stuff? Like, we sat down with. Uh, I think Ava. I know why. Why is that? Well, they want to make money. <laughs> That's a pretty, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're trying to make money. Yeah, of course, it's a freaking business. But, like, already, yes, is. Like, at most, during a day, we probably get, like, 20, 25 people coming into the cafe. That's still 25 more freaking people that you want to come in contact with. We already come enough with, you know, in contact with people at the drive-thru. And of people who are just, like, 
absolutely inconsiderate. Like, I've had fucking garbage thrown at me at the window because a couple, you know, people just thought that I can take their trash. It's like, no, like, what, what is the freaking matter with you? Like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know, man. And we sat down with Ava the other day to try and figure out a schedule that will work with all of us because obviously at this point, if we're regularly uh, getting 25 hours a week and like we can either rely on using up all our sick hours to fill out those hours, which I personally, I only have like 18 out of like the freaking like 120 that I started out with. Uh, we sat down with her and she basically said that Technically, nobody's supposed to be working full-time at Starbucks, not even baristas. Uh, corporate uh, has this policy where basically uh, everybody should be scheduled at most 25 hours and everybody should be working uh, up to 5.75 hours. So that way they can avoid that OSHA regulation where after a six-hour shift they have to give you a lunch, right? Uh, and uh, so that way... When you're not working at our store, if any other store needs coverage, it'd be easier for me to find coverage over there. It's like, alright, cool, how often can we rely on the other stores that are also hiring up the ass uh, to fill up their roster up to like 40 people? Like, how often can we rely on them to reach out to us and be like, hey, do you have a person to, you know, send over here for a three-hour shift? Like, of course, like, they're trying to get us to be thirsty enough to pick up those shifts. Like, That's amazing, I, I mean, if Starbucks has that policy... That's them admitting that the vast majority of people who work at Starbucks should not be able to basically make a living off of working at Starbucks. You you have to yeah. have at least another job. Exacto mundo. When they want full-time availability without promising full-time hours. it's Yeah, exactly. It's like, how the hell am I supposed to live a life on a 25-hour paycheck that barely fucking pays my goddamn rent? Huh? Like, what is your thought process here? Why on earth would I give you a full availability? Like, from the very get-go when I first started working at the store, like, this is probably the one job where I gave my boss the most open availability that I've ever given anybody. From 4.30 in the morning to, like, 5 p.m. That's a pretty freaking open availability if I, if, you know, if I'm not wrong. Which eventually I had to shorten to 3 p.m. because I started working a second job and I kind of, you know, kept it there. But still, like... That's a pretty open availability. Like I said, we're trying to, you know, get our band off the ground over here, you know, through this time of corona. Uh, because we don't want to be making coffee for a living. Like, honestly, if by the time we're 30, we're still at this, it's going to be a little disappointed. Or a little disappointing. But, like, what makes you think that's okay? Especially since in our back room, right next to where the schedules are posted, we have a big old poster that says, Starbucks will work with your availability. We will try to fill you up on the hours that you literally ask for. Like, obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, but, you know, they basically have a poster that literally says, like, we can work with you. We can work with the hours that you need. We can work with the hours that you can work. So why on earth are you giving like upwards of 30 hours to people that don't need those hours that are going to school that, you know, already took out student loans to pay their rent so they don't have to worry about that to people who are sitting on unemployment and are literally trying to work less hours so they can still get their uh, unemployment benefits. Like, what what is the thought process? I understand that like... Uh, that are, uh, what's the word for it? Corporate is trying to save money uh, by paying 
less for the labor that they are getting because what's the difference between a barista and a shift like it's about two dollars an hour yeah because baristas make about like 13 25 13 88 around there and us shifts are making 15 88 an hour uh, which is you know obviously great because didn't have to have a college education for it and you know <sighs> that's a whole nother story but like if you're trying to save $2 an hour on this, uh, like, how how are you expecting to, like, have us, how are you, what are you expecting us to feel like? Uh, I'm, I'm, I think like, the starting hard part, to lose track. Because realistically, yeah. like, per shift, they're saving $10 per, you know, whatever coverage that we needed by having a barista work those hours instead of a shift work those hours. Yeah. Well, and honestly, part of the hour thing, especially for us shifts getting it cut, goes back to the fact that we had three shifts that were pursuing ASM. And that was, you know, we were all told that, at least for two of us, the goal was for us to be out by, um, you know, by the summer. And that was after COVID happened. So this, you know, everybody already knew that things were going to be different than what the original game plan was. And we were under the impression, or we were told that, hey, we're going to try and get you out and into this training program as soon as possible. Um, so we had, or Ava promoted another barista to shift basically to fill one of those places as soon as we left. So we're over one, we have one shift too many pretty much, or one more than we're supposed to have. And while I understand that, you know, we're in a pandemic and it's hard because things have been, have been changed and people are still here that should have been promoted. Um, basically now they're putting it down as it's our fault. You know, we're the ones having to pick up the slack because they over promoted and over hired. Whereas if we didn't have that fifth barista, we would all be getting the hours we need to survive and we would have to take a second job. So they're taking out their failure to plan and, um, you know, their, their mistake pretty much. We're the ones footing the bill for it. And I think the hard part is when you look at why would corporate rather have, you know, say two people working 20 hours or say, you know, two people working 17 hours a week. So they're getting 35 hours total instead of one person working 35. And it's kind of at the point where we're looking at like, okay, if, if hours are that sparse, why are we hiring new people? Why don't we just condense those hours so that the people that are already here that know how to do the job that are making those customer connections that are making people like you come back into our store and that are creating that Starbucks environment. Why aren't you rewarding them with the hours they need to survive and stay afloat in this time of crisis? And instead hiring people that don't have that prepared. So it's going to make our scores go down in the short term because they're still trying to learn what's going on. It's going to make our times go down in the short term or in the short run because they're still learning the job. And you're making some of your most valuable partners go out and look for a second job, which is going to make their availability harder to work at Starbucks. So in in turn, we're going to be there less. So the people that are your strongest assets are spending less time in the store and then you're just going to have, you know, you're going to have fewer people that are really strong at their job. And you're going to have more people that are just average or slightly above average. I feel like it sounds like a lot of whining. <laughs> no, yeah, it doesn't all to me. turn into like one big whining session at this point. My apologies. Well, it sounds to me like legitimate complaints. I mean, you're talking about you need to be able to survive and like have a day that doesn't suck. So I think complaining about that is the very least that you can do, in my opinion. But, um, I'm glad we feel supported there. We feel more supported by somebody on the outside than we do our own company. That's funny. <laughs> I did end up cutting out some of our interview because it was a long conversation, but that was the soul of it. 
I let Nikki and Ryan do most of the talking, but to close out the episode, I do want to give my own brief analysis and opinion on all this. As usual, you don't have to agree with everything or anything I say, but in the interest of philosophical inquiry and this gathering to challenge the anguish that we find ourselves in, I hope you'll at least consider what I have to say. Please think it through yourself in light of everything Nikki and Ryan just said and perhaps your own experience at work. I found what Nikki and Ryan had to say very interesting, and they mentioned a few times that they felt like they were complaining. But I felt, if anything, they were being far too forgiving of Starbucks the corporation, which, after all, as they continually stated and showed in many different ways, at the end of the day does not care about their well-being. And this is not just a phenomenon that's happened to Nikki, Ryan, and their crew. They describe not only their own experience, but I'm sure something similar to what many baristas, as well as service workers generally, have experienced on the job. I was interested in this coffee shop because it was out of the ordinary for a Starbucks, but Nikki and Ryan spoke about how the good times lasted only a few months before the team started to slowly get broken up and micromanaged into frustration and lack of pay. At one point they talked about how Starbucks keeps its workers under a certain amount of hours so that they don't have to be paid for a lunch break, and this to me sums up a pretty good portion of what a corporation is, and despite the fringe efforts of nice people in certain positions of management, what corporations probably always will be. Corporations are inherently totalitarian institutions, that's what they are. They are structured so that an increasingly smaller number of people are situated near the top, and to those people are funneled the bulk of the pay, the ample benefits, and the ability to make decisions not only for themselves but for everyone else. The rest of those who work for the company are mostly given the promise that one day they too will be given a chance to be one of those few people at the top. I find this promise, like many of the corporation's promises, as explored in the interview, to be flimsy at best. Even if you end up as one of those people who make it that far, well, what about the others? The vast majority of people working at Starbucks will continue to experience things like what Nikki and Ryan just spoke at length about, and as Starbucks admits themselves, in their very own policy, you're not supposed to be working full-time there. You need to have at least another job if you want to get by and have any kind of decent life. Is this not a clear admission that the job is not sustainable for anyone? So what, you might ask? Well, as baristas who don't make it so far will be on a perpetual cycle of not making enough money and not having enough benefits and not being able to live even the simple lives they would like to live, being able to afford basics like food and medical bills and a place to live. And I don't know about you, but I care about other people and their well-being, not just about myself. And I would like a system of work where anguish was not the norm. Like Nikki and Ryan mentioned, and like Starbucks the corporation cynically reminds its workers at the so-called bottom all the time, the baristas are the heart and soul of the company. Without them, there would be no Starbucks. And yet, they are treated this way. Treated as expendable. Not because they actually are as humans, but because to the corporation itself, they are quite literally expendable. Starbucks can get rid of you as a worker and simply hire someone else. They can cut your pay in hours. They can order you to do this or that on the job. Or to not do this or that on the job, like point out to a customer that they must wear a mask for the safety of the baristas. I imagine a different kind of world, or simply a different kind of system in this world, in which we could have coffee shops in which the decisions are truly made by the heart and soul, by the people who actually work there, including the hiring and firing decisions. If you think about that idea in light of what the baristas I interviewed just said, and their crew, that would make a whole lot more sense. 
and that this could be a sustainable project rather than a fleeting exception to the rule, that it would not be just a way to run coffee shops, but various endeavors in entire industries. If this seems like a radical idea, well, in a way it is. It's radical in that it would be a major departure from how we do things here and now. But I ask you, is how we do things here and now a good way to do things? Should we not try to make things better? What I spoke about was the prospect of workplace democracy and worker cooperatives, and it is not radical in the sense that it is impossible. Worker cooperatives are a thing that exists already. The idea here would be to scale it up and make the economy more democratic rather than the totalitarian structure it currently is. I believe no matter how nice the words and sentiments of the CEO or the boss or the manager, even if they're your friends, or the bylines and corporate slogans, there's no sustainable or democratic or autonomous way for the majority to exist under our current system. If we want our lives to get sustainably better, a totally different kind of workplace is needed. I think building toward a system of worker cooperatives is a solution we ought to be thinking more about. In the meantime, I think unfortunately the economy is spiraling and has been spiraling for many decades toward a dystopian service industry in which the majority work at the mercy of the few at the top of a hierarchy and are promised that one day you too may be able to be the boot instead of the person being stepped on. That may be the way it is now, but I don't have to believe in that as the way it should be or the way it could be. Some people believe it can be no other way, and I suppose that's their prerogative, but have they really considered otherwise? If you don't even entertain differently and think critically about a problem, are you making intelligent decisions about the problem and holding the best belief you can about it? One that is conducive to your health and well-being and the health and well-being of others? After all, it has been another way, a different way, in various places and times. And it can be another way, a different way, in the not-too-distant future here. Let's continue to have these discussions where we talk about the reality of our lives at home and at work. It's not just whining and complaining. It's fighting for what we want and need and deserve. Let's continue fighting the powers that keep us down and out. You don't have to feel guilty for that. Of course, punching up is forbidden by those who are at the top. But I don't think we should listen to the forces that keep us down.